0: It's really important when we gather together on Sundays to get into God's Word together and study what He has to say to us, so we are going to do that. But it's also really important in my mind right now that we eat lunch together and celebrate several baptisms together. So I'm going to get right to it. And then, like, I, like Jake said, at the end of this morning, unlike we usually do where we want to hang out here as long as possible together, this morning is going to be a very rare time when we say, Boom! Go! Get over to the park and let's hang out over there. So... Um, Open your Bibles, if you would, to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We are in a series of messages that we have titled Walk Worthy as we study passage by passage through this letter in our Bible called Ephesians. And uh, we find ourselves this morning in chapter 6, so love you to bring your Bible, open it on your lap, or pull out your device and open your Bible app and find Ephesians chapter 6. And um, I'll get to that in just a moment. We'll read the passage and study it together. But before we do... Here's where I want to start. In the words of Jesus, in this world, you will have trouble. And then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen? That's a, almost, those words of Jesus almost give a, a one-sentence version of what we need to look at this morning in God's word. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. So we're just reminded all the time around here, I think, and if this is going to sound familiar, I think, as followers of Jesus, even with God with us, even with him with us in our lives, do we encounter difficulties? yeah. Even as followers of Jesus, even with God's presence with us, our earthly journey on this side of eternity, on this side of the end of our earthly lives, before we look Jesus in the eye, our journey includes suffering and pain and difficulty and trial and hardship. And we think of, uh, of our lives and we look around ourselves, and this is no surprise for what you go through individually, what we go through as a church family because the the world is broken due to the entrance of sin, and things are not as God originally intended. So what do we encourage each other with then? When we're reminded that that our journey includes difficulty and suffering, we look to each other, we point each other to Jesus, and we say, you know, we're following Jesus' example. Jesus' own example was to endure suffering. Jesus calls us to suffer as he has suffered, and, and, and as he... Uh, as he endured suffering, he ultimately, Jesus, entrusted himself to the one, the only one who judges justly. And that's the opportunity we have as we endure the difficulties of life, is to help each other and trust ourselves to Jesus. And what else can we recognize? What else do we say to each other around here sometimes? When we know life is difficult, but we want to help each other follow Jesus, who's overcome the world, we, got, we recognize that nothing that happens has not already gone through God's office. Or sometimes we say it, gone across his desk. Everything that happens that you encounter, that we endure, the suffering, the hardship, the trial, none of that has somehow spun out of God's hands. Oops, I didn't mean for that to happen. It's all come across God's desk. This is a reality, a theological reality we need to be strong in. to to tell ourselves and each other that everything that happens has either been ordained by God, put into action by God, or allowed by him. It's all passed across his desk. And when I say that that includes some things that he allows, that includes this topic we're getting to in God's word today. Ephesians 6, I'll I'll read a few verses starting at verse 10. Everything that happens around us is ordained or allowed by God including this Ephesians 6:10 Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Faith Church, that's where we need to start this morning. Church family, we need to start with helping each other acknowledge the reality that a biblical worldview includes a very sobering and realistic look at the reality and existence and the, and the evil workings of Satan and his forces. We need, to, we need to not skip by this. We need for our journey with Jesus not to just hope it doesn't really true. We need to acknowledge the reality that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle, an unseen spiritual battle with evil. So we said that our lives include difficulty and suffering and pain and hardship, and we, I don't think that's a foreign experience to you. We recognize that. And I'll tell you what, why God allows some of those things across his desk to impact you and me and our church family and our world, why he allows some of those things across his desk, that's above my pay grade. I wish I knew, I wish I could understand it all, but here's what we know from God's word, is that God is at work for our good and his glory. Did you hear that? Through all of that, through the reality of an unseen spiritual battle, through the reality of the evil one, through the reality of difficulty in our lives, God is at work, things are in his hands, and he's at work for your good and his glory. Amen? Amen. So we want to be careful this morning as we approach this topic not to allow the pendulum to swing. As we often do, we, 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 tend to, we, we want to help each other avoid extremes. And there's an opportunity here for the pendulum to swing to a couple extremes. And so as we begin this topic this morning, I just want to say, on one hand, let's not be oblivious to the reality of Satan and his forces working against you, follower of Jesus. Let's not be oblivious. Let's not be ignorant. Let's not pretend it doesn't happen. Let's not hope it's, it's not as bad as it seems. That's on, that could be one extreme, is, is, is turning a blind eye. And on the other extreme, though, we don't want to be obsessed. So focused on the evil one that we think he's under every rock and every slight difficulty and, and so consumed with thinking about, what, about evil and his forces that we don't look to the greatness of our God. So there's extremes we want to avoid, right? We may not understand why Satan has real power and real disruptive ability in this earthly time, this time on earth that we are in. Um, but we know that God is allowing it for our good and his glory, and we know this. When God is at work in you, in me, in our church family, when God is changing lives and proclaiming the gospel good news of what Jesus has done for us through his life, death, and resurrection— the evil one doesn't want any of that. When God is at work in your life and my life and in our church family's life, and when God wants to use you, church family, to take the light of the gospel good news and God's love into Dallas and Oregon and the world, the evil one doesn't want that. No surprise. So it's no surprise that he would be active and against those things. So let's look again at verse 12. Chapter 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Notice this passage is not singular about Satan. This passage is listing multiple and describing different types and, and uh The forces of evil described in verse 12 are are a vast hierarchy of demonic forces. What are some things, what else else do we get out of verse 12? What else do we want to see really quickly in verse 12? We want to see from verse 12 that this battle, this spiritual battle between good and evil is supernatural. Supernatural. It's outside of the, na- the natural. It's, it's beyond what is visible to our human eyes. It, it goes beyond what is visible and observable in our universe. That's the stuff that we take more seriously, or, or that we have an easier time understanding is the things that we can see and understand. But we need to know that this battle is supernatural. It's beyond the, the natural. Verse 12 also shows us that this battle is personal. The word wrestle there in our scripture, it it gives a picture of a hand-to-hand fight. Boxing, wrestling, grabbing, pulling. This is a a personal battle. Again, not a chance for us to just hope it's just out there and just between the powers of good and evil, but a very uh, uh, personal and hand-to-hand mortal combat. And that's what's at stake. And verse 12 also wants to get us thinking about the fact that this battle is futile. Futile? Futile. Futile? You know what I'm saying. This battle is futile if fought in our own flesh. If we want to try on our own methods, our own strength to fight this spiritual battle, futile. We're going nowhere. It's a no-win situation. No, It's power that no human can withstand on our own. And so what are some of the implications of this passage and the many other places in Scripture that teach about the reality of the evil one? Here's some implications. He is terribly powerful, he is terribly evil, and he is terribly cunning. We need to come to grips with the adversary. We need to come to an understanding so that we can ask God for help in fighting this battle. And the first one is that he is terribly powerful. He is not everywhere all at once. God is omnipresent, all-powerful, everywhere all at once. God only has that kind of presence. And yet, you know what? The evil one kind of imitates God's presence everywhere with his army of forces. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour The evil one is terribly powerful. He's also terribly evil. One of the um, commentators I studied this week wrote this, Satan has no conscience, no compassion, no remorse, no morals. He feeds on pain and anguish and filth. There is nothing in Satan that is redeemable. There is no virtue, but only a dark cannibal void. He is terribly powerful, he is terribly evil, and, and we've probably experienced, and perhaps you've experienced him as the third one, terribly cunning. We, we, could, we, could, we could flip through our Bibles. I could put verse after verse on the screen to, to kind of describe the evil one to you. But these are the things that come up. He's a schemer, he's devising schemes, he's a liar, he's a manipulator and he's after us. Why is he after us? Because you're a follower of Jesus, because you have found the light, because you have found life where there was death, because you are being used by God to show God's love and the good news of Jesus to others, so he's after you, and he's after me, and he's after us. John eight forty four 44 will be on the screen, and it says this. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The methods, you know, we want to acknowledge too that this schemer, manipulator, liar, has tools at his disposal, methods that he uses hoping to get you off track, to get you away from God's love, to get you going against God, to get you to fall into sin. What kinds of things do you experience when the evil one prowls like a roaring lion, looking to devour you? Perhaps you experience doubts, instilled doubts, doubts about who you are, your worth, your value. Perhaps he instills doubts about God himself. That's a tactic of the evil one. Perhaps he causes you to question things. Uh, to question the goodness of God and what God has done for you. There's, there's temptations of many kind. One of the most nasty that is pervasive at all times and still today is sensuality and sexual sin. And he wants you to go away from God's good purposes, whether that's sex outside of marriage or pornography or, or falling into all kinds of that kind of sin. These are tools of the evil one to lure you away from God's good plan for you. He he mixes just a little truth with all those lies to get us to fall into his traps. So, why is this in God's word? Why am I helping us to think carefully about this and consider the reality of Satan and his forces? Is all of this truths from God? Is all of this truth from God's word just to freak us out? No. No, because there's good news. No, because there's more that I want you to know about the reality of Satan and his forces. This isn't just to freak us out, to scare us, because Satan is under God's thumb. Yeah, he has power in this earth for now. Yeah, he's disruptive. Yeah, he's a liar. Yeah, he causes temptation. But he's under God's thumb. There's nothing that Satan does right now as he prowls like a roaring lion that hasn't come across God's desk. So it's not to freak us out, but this should be a sobering wake-up call for us we don't want to be oblivious. We don't want to be on this extreme of pretending there is no spiritual battle. And if I just pretend it doesn't exist, everything will be okay. And on the other hand, we don't want to be over on this extreme. So focused on the actions of his, of the evil one and his forces that we aren't ready for God to work through us for his purposes. And so why, why does God's word have this for us this morning? Why do we need to wrestle with it for a few minutes? Because I think that awareness of this battle, if you and I have a raising awareness of this unseen spiritual battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil, I think if you and I have an increasing awareness of that, it's actually the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of being able to trust God. It's the beginning of being able to understand and know of God's power and victory over sin, death, and evil. So there's a raising awareness of our spiritual battle, not so that we'll moan and complain and despair, but so that we'll take it seriously. There's a raising awareness so that we can begin to see what God is doing and know that he reigns supreme. So while Satan may have temporary, disruptive, lying power on the earth as it is right now, God is greater. Greater, greater, bigger, powerful, good. And he wins. (laughs) Yeah. Kent Hughes writes this, because Satan is finite and God is infinite, infinite, Our enemy is infinitely, infinitely inferior. Wow, that was hard to say. (laughs) Because Satan is finite and God is infinite, our enemy is infinitely inferior. Satan's power is overwhelmed by God's power. Look to Jesus, church family. we, We 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 wrestle with the reality of those truths, and then we look to Jesus and His work on the cross. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8 that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So we look to Jesus. We consider the cross. Let me read to you from Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. Amen? He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us God has taken that away, nailing it to the cross, and here's the part, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, those spiritual forces of evil, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The the perfect life, the life without sin that Jesus lived that you and I cannot live, the death he died, paid the penalty for our sin, the death he died in our place, and his glorious resurrection from the dead, the fact that he did not stay dead, but that he rose again, his new life shows us that we too can have life, salvation, be connected with God, and not only be saved and be in relationship with God, but his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus' work on the cross, shows us that he is transforming us from the inside out, making us into new people for his glory. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead, this is not just Easter topic, right? Jesus' resurrection from the dead demonstrates that death and sin and evil have been Defeated. And now he reigns over the powers of evil. Followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, you are filled by the Spirit and and cannot be subdued by evil. Follower of Jesus, you are safe in God's hands, filled by the Spirit. And while there is power and temptation and difficulty and hardship and trial, you cannot be overwhelmed, you cannot be subdued by evil. And Revelation, that's, that's in the now. In the now, Satan is under God's thumb and you cannot be subdued in the now. And the story of God's work And the Bible tells us also in Revelation 20 about the eventual and ultimate demise of the evil one. In Revelation 20, it says, The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. How about a cheer? (laughs) And the sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Evil loses. That victory is assured. And with all that in mind, then, how does Paul instruct and encourage us? First, we look at Ephesians uh, 10, verse 10. Chapter 6, verse 10. So in the light of the reality of evil, in the reality of this unseen spiritual battle, how does God, through Paul, instruct and encourage us? Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Didn't we talk earlier about the fact that this this battle is futile? If fought in our own strength. Did we talk about that? If we're hoping to fight this spiritual battle in our own strength and according to our own methods, it's going nowhere. But verse 10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is a command, and yet it's a passive command. It's, it's something that we, that we benefit from. It's saying, church family, follower of Jesus, be made strong in the Lord. Be made strong in him. He's making you strong in him. His work in you is giving you the ability to have strength, to find your strength in him. So, verse 10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not depend on our, our own human efforts and tactics. Instead, we lean into the Lord for strength. 2 Corinthians 12 reminds us, For my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, Jesus says, is made perfect in your weakness. It's not about you trying hard. It's not about you trying to match up. It's not about you thinking that you have to fight that spiritual battle on your own. Jesus says his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. We have the opportunity to cast off, to cast off our tendency to depend on self and on our own power. We have an opportunity to cast that off and instead to come over here and, and to put on God's presence and power to help us live for him. Verse 10. That's our first uh, encouragement this morning is to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then next Sunday, we'll continue in this passage. Uh, let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of Of the devil. So we're already saying, don't depend on self, depend on Jesus for strength. And now it's put off the old self, it's it's put off your old methods, your your own strength, you're trying hard on your own, and put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And so we're going to look more at this passage next Sunday. We're going to look at the armor of God. The armor of God includes truth and righteousness and gospel of peace and faith and salvation and the word of God and prayer. And we're going to take a closer look next Sunday. But the big idea here is cast off our dependence on self and put ourselves depending on the strength of God. It's don't fight the battle with our own human tools. Put on the armor of God. Cast off your dependence on self and increase your dependence on God. Let's do that together right now as we pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you are a God who loves us and who comes near to us. We do want to acknowledge this morning, Lord, as much as we would love to just move on to lunch and the celebration of baptisms, God, we want to take a moment, having studied your word, to acknowledge the reality of Satan, his forces, and the unseen battle that rages around us between the forces of good and evil. God, we wanna acknowledge this morning our inability to fight that battle on our own. God, would you help me and my church family this morning to acknowledge the futility of fighting this spiritual war, with our own strength? Would we we exhale self-dependence? Would we cast off our, our tendency to try it ourselves and to go our own way and to fight our own with our own methods? And God, would you instead teach us to inhale God's mighty power to put on his strength, his armor, asking him to fill us and help us, and rescue us, and use us as he sees fit. And so, Father, once again, since we're teaching through Ephesians, once again, God, I want to pray this prayer for my church family. In the words of Ephesians 3, we pray this. Father in heaven, for this reason, we bow our knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of your glory, God, we pray that you would strengthen these friends around us. Would you strengthen our church family with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Jesus may dwell in our hearts through faith and so that the faith church family would be rooted and grounded in love. God, would you give us strength to comprehend, to understand, to perceive with all of the believers everywhere, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How would you help us to know you, to know your love, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God, equipped to serve you, equipped for the battle that we are in the middle of, equipped to be conduits of your love to those around us and proclaimers of the good news of jesus use us as you see fit help us to acknowledge the reality of the battle but now to lift our voices in song and to give our gifts and to say our prayers with with deep confidence that the victory is already won that your purposes prevail, that you are at work for our good and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.